Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us. In our last episode, we talked about youth suicide. And today I wanna focus on that even a little bit more and in a very particular focus and talk about girls. The crisis amongst girls' suicide in the modern world and during the coronavirus lockdown. Now, last episode, I mentioned that in the UK, five times as many children died of suicide during the first year of the lockdown than of the virus itself. And this is from four British universities discovering this. So we're going into what appears another lockdown season or potential for one. And we really need to think through not just the physical concerns that might be going around with the coronavirus, but the psychological ones. And I'm talking particularly about the youth, and I'm especially talking about girls. Now, I also mentioned an article that's actually prompting this episode that I read in the Epoch Times on July 7th, 2021, and they found that hospital psychiatric visits among youth increased 31% last year, and particularly during the lockdown season. Now, here's something that I didn't mention that appeared in that same Epoch Times article that I shared with you last time. And here it is, and I would like to quote it to you because if you're the father or mother of a girl living in the 21st century, hear this carefully. Quote, overall, the number of psychiatric-related hospital visits among young people increased 31% last year. Overall, 31%. Suspected suicide attempts in girls increased 50.6% compared to 3.7% for young men. Unquote. So you read the statistics, and overall, it's a 31% jump, and that's significant. That should really get our attention. But basically, diving a little deeper into the article, you find that you break that 31% out. Yes, for young men, the suicide rate increased 3.7%, and that's concerning. But for girls, it's skyrocketed over 50% increase. And that's a full-blown crisis currently, right now, taking place with girls. And have you heard this very much on talk radio, Catholic or secular, or uh, in your press, Catholic again or secular? This is, this is something very critical. And as I mentioned last time, this isn't something new as far as increasing suicide rates amongst youth. They were increasing dangerously before the coronavirus lockdowns, and they simply increased that much more because of the lockdowns. But what happens? What happened before the lockdowns began? Well, here's some stats. Between 2009 and 2017, high schoolers contemplating suicide increased 25 percent. 
And by the way, just so you know, if there's a suicide in your child's high school, youth group, or community, or social group on social media, it spreads. It spreads amongst peers. It becomes from unthinkable to thinkable, and they may contemplate it a lot. So you need to be careful if that occurs. Now, the teen girls experiencing depression between 2009 and 2017 increased three times that of boys. Girls' self-harm is up 62% since 2009. I believe that was teen girls. Pre-teen girls, 10 to 14 years old, their self-harm has skyrocketed 189% since 2010. So we're already finding girls in severe risk for depression, self-harm, suicide before the coronavirus, and since the coronavirus, it's soared 50% amongst girls. Now, there's something going on overall with girls. It's not just a coronavirus because this was going on before. It just simply accelerated because of the coronavirus lockdowns. And one of the things that's an indicator of severe trouble is what's going on with transgenderism. And when we had a a couple of episodes on transgenderism, I mentioned to you that historically, transgenderism only affected a tiny portion of the population, and it was overwhelmingly a boy's problem. And for girls, it was a minuscule problem. And in fact, one researcher said before 2012, there was no scientific literature on transgenderism amongst girls at all, okay? But something's happened over the past decade, and for the first time in history, the majority of youth suffering from transgenderism switched from boys to girls, and it not only switched from boys to girls, it skyrocketed amongst girls. And No one knows exactly why, and I don't claim to be the world's expert on this. All I'm saying is, for instance, let's say I see a house on fire. There's smoke coming out. I see flames, and I can call the fire department, and that's what I'm doing with you today. I'm raising the alarm, and somebody says, well, what caused the fire? I'm not exactly sure. Okay, I'm not the world's expert on this, but when I can see a house on fire, I see smoke and flames, I know there's a fire. I know there's a, an emergency. I know there's a crisis. Even though I don't know all the causes, something is going on. And the depression rates, the self-harm rates, the suicide rates, and the transgenderism rates amongst girls, all skyrocketing, is a sign that the house is on fire. Now, uh, I'm not an expert on teenage girls, okay? Uh, at men's conferences, uh, guys always wanted me to talk about fathering girls, and my quip was they knew I had six daughters, okay? 
And my quip was, you know, I only have six daughters. When I finally figure out how to father girls or even figure out women, I'll have me back and I'll, I'll tell you exactly what I know. But until then, I'm sorry. And I would kind of joke and try to share what little I can. But being a neophyte and knowing what teenage girls are going through, I admit my lack of knowledge. I'm going to go ahead because of my serious concern for girls in America. And I'll mention at least some things that I I know of and give you some solid resources, some steps of where to, where to go on. I think social media plays a big part of this. Um, the skyrocketing problems amongst girls, you know, tracks smartphones adoption amongst teenagers. I think you can see a pretty careful overlay. I think uh, the music idols, unrealistic pictures of, uh, you know, girls their age, um, American idols, so to speak, advertising movies. Basically, they're all false images of what real life is like for the average person, for the average girl. But what's happened is virtual reality or promotional reality has become the new reality. Even though it's a false reality for young people, young girls, it's a false reality, and it's increasingly becoming difficult for girls to fit into, if not impossible for some. And that's my analysis of why the other things that I mentioned in our previous episode with the loss of those basic fundamental steps in a worldview, your purpose in life, your meaning, what is truth, how do you determine right and wrong, all of those things apply to both boys and girls, but there's some unique things that's causing this skyrocketing effect amongst girls with suicide, transgenderism, depression, and such. Now, what happens when a parent finds uh, a daughter who is seriously depressed, anxious, uh, some friends have maybe attempted suicide and such like that. Well, the first thing we want to do is open the, uh, well, nobody opens a phone book anymore, but go to Google and type in, you know, Catholic counselor or youth counselor or something like that. I'd like you to listen to me for just a couple of minutes before you go to any counselor with your daughter for any of the problems that I have been mentioning today. And this isn't a rabbit trail. I'm going to show you the stats relating to counselors and marital health, because it's something that I know a bit about. And then we're going to apply that for counselors for youth, anxiety, self-harm, depression, and suicide. There's an article on the dads.org website. Go to dads.org, and then there's a first section entitled resources. That's just where you find help, resources. And under resources, you'll see a counseling tab, and you click that, and you'll see an article entitled how therapy can be hazardous to your marital health. And it'll take you two minutes to read. It's written by Dr. Dottery, who is a professor of family social science at the University of Minnesota. And this is what he says in the article. 
I am a committed marriage and family therapist, having practiced this form of therapy since 1977. I train marriage and family therapists. I believe that marriage therapy can be very helpful, but, but there are a lot of problems out there with the practice of marriage therapy, a lot of problems. You'd be interested to know that according to a national survey, 80% of all private practice therapists in the United States say they do marital therapy. Yet, only 12% of them are in a profession that requires even one course or any supervised experience. In other words, he's saying that these therapists 80% of them advertising they do marital therapy, uh, the majority of them are working without any specific training in marital therapy. They're basically doing individual therapy. And Dr. Daughtery, who's a national expert on marriage and family therapy, says this: <laughs> there's different dynamics. And somebody without any training or expertise in marital therapy, trying to simply switch from individual to marital, thinking that if you can do one, you can do the other, disaster can result. And this is from the book Covenant Marriage. Uh, quote, couples who receive marital counseling during marriage are substantially more likely to divorce than couples who forego this option. All forms of marital counseling are associated with a two to three-fold increase in the likelihood of divorce. Did you just hear what I said? So, hopefully you're a bit shocked. In other words, you know, if you're buying a piece of real estate and you need legal advice, you get a real estate lawyer. But you want somebody, if you're developing a, a family trust or a will, you want somebody with some expertise. If you get caught breaking the law, you need a criminal attorney. You don't want a real estate attorney if, if you're going to go to jail potentially. There's different types of psychologists is what I'm saying. And certain types of counseling require expertise or else you have a mess on your hands. And and. Part of what happens, that's the two to 3% increase in the likelihood of divorce comes from therapists who are not committed to holding marriages together, especially if they're divorced themselves. Uh, the other thing is they don't have any training or expertise. Now, let's talk about, and again, I pulled for you something from the marriage counseling uh, area that basically you are two to three times more likely to have an untrained, uncommitted to keeping marriage together counselor counsel you of ending in divorce. Now, how would this apply to suicide? A man professor named David Jobes, who's the director of Catholic University of America's Suicide Prevention Lab, and here's what he says. A well-intentioned and otherwise competent therapist who does not know how to effectively treat a suicidal person can result in the most tragic mental treatment outcome possible. Uninformed therapy, 
can make the difference between a life saved or a premature death for someone who cannot bear their suffering any further. So what's the lesson here? You need a therapist or a counselor specifically trained in suicide prevention. I personally don't know enough, but I would be tempted to ask a counselor saying, do you have specific training in suicide prevention? You have to ask that question. Do you have specific training in suicide prevention? What? What courses? And then a second question, which we're supposed to ask, do you have clinical experience with cases of suicide or self-harm? I'd be tempted to ask any experience in working with youth and threatened self-harm. And so before you suggest to a friend or a family member that they go to a therapist for investigation, uh, you want to be real careful about who you're referring them to. And just so you know, you're probably going to be a little discouraged because I think you're going to find there's probably not as much help as available as you thought. But here's what you could do. And you could literally save a life by doing the following. Take you maybe 15 minutes. Call your parish and tell them, ask them, I should say, can you refer a counselor who is experienced in suicide prevention and has specific training in suicide prevention? The probability is they're going to say no, or there's counselor so-and-so, you investigate, they don't have the specific training and clinical experience. So you call the parish back. Again, we're still under 15 minutes and say, no, they don't have it. And um, if you need this quote by Dr. Jobes, the director of the Catholic University America Suicide Prevention Lab, we'll send it to you. And so hopefully the parish will start thinking. Okay, then you want to call your diocese and ask the same questions. You want the names of counselors and priests with suicide prevention counseling and with both training and clinical experience. And they're maybe going to say no, or they might refer to somebody. And then, then you start writing, requesting that um, the church help some of these counselors or priest counselors or whoever it is get this specific training because we have a crisis on our hands right now. And you don't wait till a young person, a young girl, takes her life before you start wanting to do something. And the instinctive thing you do can actually increase the problems because somebody is exceedingly vulnerable at after an event of self-harm. You want to make sure they're going to get good help, okay? Now, <laughs> let me get, get to the edge here a little bit, kind of going back to what we talked about last time. There is a definite role for religion in preventing suicide. And I have a, one statistic here in religion's ability to prevent female suicide. And this is a 2016 study published in the 
a journal of American Medical Association's Psychiatry Journal, it found that American woman, women who attended a religious service at least once a week were five times less likely to commit suicide. Now, this survey was with women, and nobody has done a survey of girls, but the crisis is right now with girls. And if going to a religious service at least once a week helps women have a five times less likelihood to commit suicide, well, I wouldn't think that uh, uh, there'd be any doubt that it would help girls, even if it was four times less likely they would commit suicide. Let's do it. You know, I got a um, invitation last week to a free nationwide suicide prevention seminar last weekend. And I was going to watch some of it on, on Saturday, and I had trouble logging in. But I did notice that the seminar ran Saturday and Sunday. Now, if there is a way to reduce the probability fivefold of suicide, and yet you're teaching how to prevent suicide, and you're holding your seminar on the Lord's Day, which we kind of like put our business of the week aside, doesn't that tell you something? I remember, too, there was uh, a big directory on all kinds of national resources to prevent suicide. No mention of churches. No mention of churches. And yet, remember I said in the last episode, two-thirds of those interviewed by Gallup believe that most churches and synagogues today are not effective in helping people find meaning in life. I mean, we're living in a day where nihilism, nothing is the faith of our culture. It is everywhere. It's as if God didn't exist. And it's very easy, especially for youth, to absorb this. And our churches have to teach that there is meaning in life because another statistic I found, three-quarters of Americans believe it is very important that life is meaningful and has a purpose. If anything I've read is a job description of the Christian church, Protestant and Catholic, conveying that life is meaningful and has a purpose, it was your life is designed by God, your days are created and planned by God. He is your good shepherd to go with you even through the valleys. And we all go through valleys and various challenges in life. So this is a role for the church, uh, particularly to focus on these things. And just as a tip, any priest or deacons having to be listening, I was giving a conversation. Catholic men's conference talk, and I knew that a lot of fathers were bringing their college and high school age sons. So what I did, I had some of the points in my talk that would apply honestly to both men and young men, but I just put a, a why by some of my speaking points because, and then I would say, and for you young men, and I would make the point, but everybody knew I was talking to everybody, but 
I acknowledge, yeah, you're young and you exist and I'm very aware that you're here and I'm appreciative that you're here and I'm going to give you some information that's going to help you. The same could be said for the youth in your congregations. And then finally, I'd like to mention something that one of my daughters did. It was called Girls on the Run. And I'm not, we, we could really use both Catholic and Protestant versions of Girls on the Run, a faith-filled Girls on the Run, but basically, like ran a mile with a younger girl, say like a 20-something young woman would would run with a young uh, 12 to 14-year-old girl, but after they get done, they walk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and develop a friendship, and you it's, it's very unique because once a girl is kind of entering those teen years in a situation like that where the, there's a genuine friendship developing on these weekly walks uh, and talks, that things will be shared that might not be shared with parents. And there can be encouragement. And coming back to that expert on marriage and family therapy, Professor Dottery, who I I quoted from, (laughs) make sure you go to a good, well-trained counselor. This is what he says about all kinds of counseling, and I think it applies not just to marriage counseling, but to uh, suicide prevention in youth, especially girls. This is what he says. I have come to believe that this is really the reverse of how it should be done. In other words, crisis, call an untrained counselor. Don't do that. Here's here's his steps in meeting the psychological needs of people. People first need support people, mentors, other couples in their lives. And if we're talking about girls, support people, mentors, that's what Girls on the Run was all about, and other women in their lives. And then they need marriage educators or youth educators. And I'm not talking about just pizza and Pepsi. Youth today need to have those worldview questions answered that I mentioned last time. And then finally, they need therapists. But Dr. Daughtery, a man who's given his life to training counselors, therapists are last. The order begins with just support people mentors, and others in their lives. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 348 of Faith and Family Radio. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to learn more about Catholic family life.